Welcome to the Enlighten Up podcast. I'm Lisa Watson and will be joined by my co-hosts Nicole Frolic and Brian Koenigberg. The Enlighten Up podcast is a weekly show that provides an unconventional and refreshing spin on spirituality, where three friends and weekly guests share informative, fun, and usually off-the-wall conversations. Unlike others, we provide fringe and skeptical viewpoints on all topics, because our experience has taught us that the echo chamber is a boring place from which to learn. So regardless of where you are in your spiritual journey, we can promise you, you're going to find a place to fit in here. So we invite you to grab a drink and listen in on our casual, entertaining, and hopefully enlightening conversation. And Enlighten Up is a self-funded podcast. So if you would like to help us to continue to be able to produce, enhance, and expand the show for our audience, then please send your support using the link in the show notes or go to our website, lightenup.us, and check out our merchandise shop where you can purchase merchandise that will allow you to express some spiritual humor. You may also show your support by leaving us a review on iTunes and following us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Thank you all so much for listening and supporting us. And now let's jump right into the episode. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Enlighten Up podcast. Lisa, Bryant, and myself are excited to do this show for you guys today because we are joined by another podcast. They recently had us on their show, The Morning Melon. Uh, the Morning Melon is a podcast network composed of stimulating information, obscure outlooks, original ideas, abstract discussion, unconventional interviewing, and freelance spiritualism. Their aims are to discuss a multitude of topics ranging from Eastern philosophical ideas, psychedelia, personal spirituality, coping mechanisms, abstract art therapy, the paranormal, psychology concept of time, dimensionality, boundary disillusionment of psychosocial boundaries, the circumstantial nature of normality, the spirit world, confrontational exercise of the human mind, and so many more. We are joined by two gentlemen, Roderick Redding. Red works as an EMT as a day job and is 21 years of age. And after struggling with depression as a teenager, and exploring a variety of methods for coping, Red has found himself as a co-host of the Morning Melon podcast. And then we are also joined by Thurgood Wellington. And throughout the years of metaphysical exploration, the entity known as Thurgood Wellington has gained sentience through a multidimensional lens and has been adopted by a young firefighter as a means to provide spiritual downloads using what has now become the Morning Melon. Guys, they're good. Red, welcome to the Enlighten Up podcast. How are you guys both doing today? I'm doing fantastic. Yeah, it's pretty exciting to be on. Yeah, thank you for having us. Yeah, well, thanks for coming on the show. I When Lisa and Brian and I uh, recorded with you guys uh, a few weeks back, <laughs> uh, we really enjoyed being on your show. And I think what was most impressive to us was your age and your willingness to put yourself out there on such a um, public platform, such as a podcast. How how did you guys um, gain the courage to put yourselves out there? Was there any roadblocks there for you or were you guys all gung-ho about it? Well, actually, it kind of ended up being an accident in a way. Um, we would just like when we would uh, meet up and, you know, just like hang out because we're, you know, we're both best friends and uh, so we would just have like really interesting conversations with each other. And one day we were like, we should record this once. And <laughs> we kind of started recording it and then we just started to like it. So we just kind of started posting it and, you know, I didn't really think much about the, like some of the real intricate details of like what it would become. 
That's how we started, right, yeah, Lisa? Yeah, you could have called it the Accidental Podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not that Morning Yellow isn't a great name. And guys, you have a lot of um, paranormal experiences that we're going to get into um, in just a little bit. Uh, but, you know, I think what's really impressive, too, is you guys are only 21. You're both 21, correct? Yep, that is correct. Babies. Yeah. And I, we think it's just really cool to to see the uh, younger generations behind us uh, coming up and giving that generation a voice uh, right now. Because I think, you know, we have a broad range in our audience, but I'm pretty sure we don't reach as many people around your age as others. And so it's really cool to see the younger generations coming up and wanting to have really open discussions about these kind of topics. Yeah, I think it's, it's fantastic. Actually, I was talking to my niece the other day who just turned 18. And she had some questions about spiritual stuff and just different ways of looking at life. And she said, Oh, maybe I should just listen to your podcast. I'm thinking, heck, yeah, you should listen to our podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and so how has the journey been for you guys just in podcast land so far it's actually been very positive honestly we haven't really gotten too much negative criticism but obviously you know we're open to it but it seems like we've attracted a lot of like-minded people i mean i'm good friends with a few of them now that we've just attracted who wanted to be interviewed that's great and i think you know you guys I think the most important thing too is that you're doing it. You know, there's not a lot of people who, and, and you can always improve and you can receive your constructive criticism and build upon that. But so many people talk about doing stuff, but they're not actually doing it. And it's just really cool. And we're totally supportive of your work and your motivation to really put yourself out there. So congratulations uh, from all of well, us. Thank you very much. That's thank really you. nice to hear. <laughs> yeah. So guys, why don't you take us and the audience, because we did touch on paranormal activity in our um, episode with you guys, and it was quite fascinating when you guys started to touch on your experiences. Who had their first paranormal experience first? I would say I did when I was younger. It wasn't necessarily something that I like went somewhere and had it it was something where one day I kind of realized things weren't the same and then I started to have you know waking up in the middle of the night and there was just people in my house and they weren't normal I remember the very first one I ever had I was actually at a bunk bed with my sister and I was on the top bunk and I remember just waking up at some random time in the night and I looked and there was just a man made completely out of fire standing in my doorway. And I just kind of watched him for, it could be hours. It could have been minutes. I just kind of watched him. And I just pretended to go back to sleep because maybe he would go away. But that, that was definitely the first experience for me. Okay. When you say a man of fire, was he, were there literally flames coming off of him? It was more his, his complexion. It, it's patterned like how you would see like lava. I guess he's more a man of lava than fire, but he was just kind of watching. Did did you just finish watching Shark Boy and Lava Girl? <laughs> oh man, I, see, I don't know that, that was in your wheelhouse. <laughs> that is a classic. 
I'm kind of getting this image of um, like kind of like a devil image, but you know, smaller horns, but like the skin red, but moving like there's almost like the surface is a bit transparent, but not moving. I don't know how to describe it. Like you see that flow of darker reds and maybe a bit of black, but I don't know. Like what? Yeah, Yeah, that's crazy. It's pretty spot on with the way his skin was. It was stagnant, but it was active. And he he wasn't like maliciously watching. He he seemed like he's pretty relaxed standing there in the doorway. It was like a... He's like, this looks like a cool place to hang out right now. Yeah. It was like a an inquisitive observer rather than like a malicious watching. Mm, what do you think he was observing? You know, I don't really know. When I think back to it nowadays, after all the experiences I've had and how far we went with it, it was almost as if that was the very first day I really crossed that threshold and was able to witness things like that. And it was kind of like the gatekeeper like this is the new you know entity that has now been able to observe us and when you were seeing him were you seeing him through your third eye or were you actually seeing him with your physical eyeballs uh it was my physical eyeballs but at the age that i was it's it's hard to discern you know third eye visions and your own eyes because when you're a little kid you know your imagination is so powerful Mm. in the things you do every day that things that you're imagining or things that you're picking up through your third eye you know you you're really experiencing those things physically with your own eyes yeah that makes a lot of sense how old were you again probably 10 or 11 because i was still in my like original childhood home so i would have been about 10 or 11 and did the experiences start to increase after that? Or was there like a stagnant period? There was a little bit of a stagnant period because we had moved around a lot. Um, we had lived in probably two or three houses before I actually had the next experience. And that was only two years of time. But I mean, within that time period, I didn't feel any different. You know, I didn't have any crazy dreams or anything like that. It was a very like, you know, I could think back on that and think that was really, that was a really weird experience. But I never really, you know, it didn't happen again. Yeah. And and Red, what about you? Did you have anything when you were younger? Um, yeah, I had a couple of kind of bizarre experiences, I guess. I couldn't necessarily recall, but I was probably about the same age as probably 10 or 11. And uh, I was the youngest of four, so like I grew up watching probably a lot of movies that I shouldn't have watched from a young age just because my siblings. So <laughs> I, my mind was already kind of like, you know, my brother loved to watch a lot of those ghost hunting shows and it would always freak me out. But uh, so like I was already kind of interested in that stuff. And this one time I was um, I, I was running back inside of my house to change for some reason and my mom was waiting for me in the car so I was in the house alone and um, I had a bag with some uh, empty plastic bottles for recycling hanging out my closet door and when I went in my room I uh, was just going to grab my shirt and then I heard that bag like ruffle and I turned and looked at that and then all the hairs on my body stood up and uh, goosebumps everywhere and then, uh, so I like kind of got scared and I started to go out my room and the, uh, door on my dresser had closed shut when I was walking out and I like 
had one of those, like I just started running without my feet touching the ground. And I had looked up on the second landing in my home and there was a, like a woman in a white dress that was just quickly just walked from one room to another real quick. And I just like ran out of my house. And that was probably the first like real in-depth experience that I think I could have, I could recall. Were you two kids friends when you were kids? Oh, no, we we didn't meet until sophomore year of high school. We really didn't get to know each other till junior year. And this woman, was she like a ghost apparition or did you feel like she was another kind of entity? It it actually it felt very familiar, actually. It almost felt like like I, I knew her in a way. I don't really know how to explain it, but it was like it was very like almost a motherly type of uh uh I guess just looking back at it, like it was terrifying because, you know, I didn't know what was going on. But like, I just remember it was just it was very just like a normal looking woman wearing a white dress. But it wasn't like like this, like flowing ball gown. It was just like a normal white white dress. Like she was just like going out and it was kind of like an older, like almost like a gown dress. I, I might be. Is it kind of like Victorian? Kinda, yeah, I might be wrong, but we know mm-hmm. I'm not. Um, isn't, isn't a, uh, one of the kinds of spirits called a familiar? Yes, that is correct. Yep. Oh, Brian, you just said something I didn't know anything about. Tell us about that, Brian, and how the heck you knew about that. Yeah, tell us. (laughs) I've read books before. (laughs) I used I used to read I used to read a lot of vampire books in my, back in the day and and I've watched those those ghost hunting uh, like TV shows just to you know poke fun at them. <laughs> wow, I'm impressed, Brian. Good job. You have to be prepared for irony and sarcasm. You have to be well well researched. <laughs> no, I, I really don't. I I would assume I would assume it's uh, probably from some. Anne Rice book would be my the, the only reason I can think I would I would know that that term, but I don't mm. know what it I don't know why they're called familiars unless they're it's just a spirit from somebody in your past that you know that would make sense why they would call it a familiar. Uh-huh. But but the two the two ghost hunters would know that. Yeah, yeah. It sounds like you guys do. And speaking of ghost hunting, so. You guys are kind of doing investigative work now into more paranormal situations. Do do you also call it ghost hunting? Um, I, I like to more call it paranormal investigating because mm-hmm. first, well, ghost hunting. I mean, I guess that it, it, it's pretty much what that is, but it's kind of more of just like a descriptive term for uh, call it paranormal mm-hmm. investigating because it entails a, a lot of different fields of. Uh, uh, just kind of knowing like what it would be camera trickery or what you're feeling versus what might just be like fear just from the unknown and stuff like that. So a lot of it's just deciphering uh, what's paranormal and what's explainable. Yeah. I, yeah, we kind of don't say ghost hunting either. Cause ghost hunting, I guess it gives off the wrong vibe when you say it, mm-hmm. when we mm-hmm. do an investigation, we're going there for, like a specific reason we have a mission when we're there a lot of times it's just you know what's actually going on here and then based on the evidence we can collect between talking to people and doing our own you know camera work and recordings 
we can then decipher what kind of a spirit it might be there and how to go forward. Ghost hunting's kind of breaking into the abandoned house at the end of the street with like your phone camera. Are are you guys are you guys doing this on your own just just for fun or is are you people hiring you to do investigations? A little bit of both. Yeah, we don't necessarily charge people for it. We actually have never asked anybody for money, but people it's weird that people have this kind of innate nature to just ask us or tell us about their paranormal problems. Cause I, I don't go around saying I am a, a ghost hunter or <laughs> not like the ghostbusters. Well, <laughs> yeah. I was going to ask you like, what are your parents? Do you, do your parents know you're doing this or like your family or like, I, I know some of your friends obviously do, but what do they, what do they say about it? Uh, well, my parents, they're, they're, we're skeptical about it at first. They thought we were like just lying about where we were going and just doing something else and stuff. But then when I would like come back and show them the evidence we got, like they actually kind of were really interested in it. Mm, so like, that's kind of cool. Like, got to see, like my mom's definitely been opening up a lot and looking at the spiritual stuff a lot more and more lately. And so like, I think that that was kind of helpful because we had some like, a couple of pieces that were like really substantial evidence that we found that uh, it really caught a lot of people's attention, like just in my family and friends area that people kind of started to take a little more seriously. Yeah. Yeah. And so did you guys, okay, you guys meet up and you become fast friends. When did you guys, did you guys have like some sort of event or something that happened that really propelled you guys into doing this investigative work together um well i guess the easiest way to trace it back was when we were younger we had a group of friends and one day we decided that if anybody ever had any kind of idea no matter how stupid it was we would do it to its very fullest and uh you know after having some experiences in the recent times when we were before we did that I came to him and I said, I think that we should go ghost hunting. And given that we had all agreed to do any idea we had, we just did it. And then it, it spiraled into this huge thing where we had a, we still have a crew and cameras and now we're sitting here talking about it. Wow. And so where, what was your first um, experience like together doing this? I'd say probably one thing that like initially happened that brought us together as friends was uh, we both went through EMT and fire school together. And that like, then we had hung out after school and we had a lot of the same common interests in the paranormal and uh, different experiences that we would talk about. And it just kind of cascaded into uh, one of our mutual friends house that we would always stay at. Uh, like we would just hang out at that friend's house, had a lot of paranormal stuff going on there. So we started investigating that house a little bit and we just, we realized we kind of had a little bit of a knack for it. Like we really enjoyed doing it. It was fun. And we, you know, it brought a lot of us together a little closer too. Cause you know, when you're delving into some of that stuff, it's really unknown. It can be pretty terrifying and you see, uh, see some people in some vulnerable States screaming and running. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it, it was just a lot of fun. So we just started to kind of get some equipment together and just start going around doing it. So that's what what you guys do for, for a, a quote unquote day job is EMT. Yeah. Yep. I actually just got hired by a fire department. 
Oh, well, congrats. Cause soon. you were saying before that you had gone in for that interview, like totally on the fly. Yeah, actually yesterday I heard back from them. They told me I start in September just cause they're going through another hiring process, but they, they told me I was hired right then and there. Oh, congratulations. congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. So, so how do you know, how does, how does, how do our listeners know if they're being haunted or if they suspect paranormal activity aside from, you know, I mean, is it always the classic, you know, doors are slamming and your walls are bleeding red rum, red rum. <laughs> um, That's a movie reference. I don't know if you guys even know. Oh, yeah, Isn't that that's the shining? shining? Yeah. Yes, it is. <laughs> uh, well, I guess, there are some classic signs that like I'll use my our friend's house for example. You know, you get that creepy feeling for no reason in somewhere that you shouldn't be getting that. It's the hair standing up on your body in the back of your neck, the the feeling you're being watched, but the big tell all is the feeling that you should look behind you. And if Aside from, you know, if things are moving in your house, that's a totally different story than a haunting. But you could be seeing shadow people and things like that. But the main tell-all, like I said, was that you need to look behind you. Like when we take people ghost hunting, we tell them, don't look behind you if you feel like you need to. Because what that is, is it's if you look behind you, on the spiritual side, that's a signal to the spirit that you've just submitted in some way. So it's, it's a game of kind of control and they feed off of your fear sometimes depending on the spirit. So that for me, that's a big tell off for a haunt. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. I never knew that. And another, another aspect with that too, is there are different types of haunts. There are haunts that are actually like almost angelic haunts, if you will. Like they're in, instead of the opposite side, most people think there's a lot of misconceptions that a haunting entails a really negative, malicious uh, being. And a lot of times there's not. So sometimes, right. I mean, like if you walk into a church, you can definitely feel like the presence of, you know, uh, just the holiness there. And like you feel a very like uplifting sense, depending on what church you go to. But uh, <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> uh, and so like, I'd say one of the other big telltales for me is just looking at the genuine condition of what like the atmosphere is in the household is you can just tell if there's like that, like heaviness, this, this dullness. Um, I find that a lot of times uh, negative entities like to kind of play around with the dynamics of like household interactions, like if they're intelligent enough ones. So you can find little tiny, like, I guess that's some of the more diagnostic work of like knowing is this like a real haunting or uh, maybe there's just like bad wiring in the house. You know, there's, you can find a lot of different little subtle details and they're usually pretty different. See, Nicole, I, I told you it wasn't necessarily (laughs) Nemo making my, my lights flash. (sighs) (laughs) (laughs) She's speechless. Oh, so now you believe that you had some entity playing around with the lights instead? No, I'm saying what I said before, bad wiring. Oh, oh God. (laughs) So um, anyway, (laughs) 
<laughs> so, okay. So you guys, I'm, I'm really, I'm actually, this is great. I'm, I'm learning some stuff here. So this is really cool. I did not know that looking behind you is a submission in some ways um, to the entity uh, trying to draw your attention. Uh, and I guess it gives them uh, some sort of sense of control over you. So to our listeners out there, don't look behind you. Okay, so w- when you are are doing this, have you had experiences with entities that are making it very known to you to get out of where you are? That brings a very specific investigation to mind, a place we refer to as the tunnels of hell. And it's it definitely earned that name. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But where is the tunnels of hell? Uh, what city is that? Rocky River. Rocky River in Elmwood Park. Which is in Ohio. Cuyahoga okay. County. Yeah, so the... Tunnels the, of hell. The tunnels of hell. We gave it the, that name. The story was some lady was running from the cops, and she went in the tunnels and ended her own life in there because it was either get arrested for whatever she did. And there are actually various news articles backing up that story and the evidence we captured there backed up that story but i would say the major thing that showed us the spirit absolutely did not want us there was just the sheer level of activity that was there it was touching my crew members actually one of our uh crew members he decided he was going to go off on his own in these pitch black tunnels and his flashlight randomly cut out and he felt arms behind him just grab him all over and he ran back to us in the dark and actually that after running us out of there it actually followed uh, me back to my job where i when i was working at kfc when i was younger i I actually like employed half of my coworkers with the ghost hunting thing (laughs) but actually the haunt at when it followed us back was bad enough to where my gm actually came up to me and said i have to do something about it what was happening? Like, how do you know? At uh, the Tunnels of Hell or at KFC? KFC. Oh. <laughs> um, so Haunted chickens. Haunted chickens <laughs> dancing on the counters. <laughs> no, people, people were going into our, our deep freezer to actually where all the chicken is. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that. All their food's frozen. But people were seeing, you know, shadows in there where it, that wouldn't even make sense for there to be a shadow moving around in there with you. A large feeling of uneasiness and that classic look behind you feeling in there. And also, you know, if, if you went out by yourself into the lobby or into the bathrooms, you got that same feeling of eyes on you and that same... It was It was to the level of intensity where you could almost feel somebody breathing down your neck, just like begging you to turn around and look at them. Oh, God. That might be the first KFC haunting. Oh, you don't even want to hear about Arby's. Yeah. yeah what? We do. There's an Arby's Yeah, we do. <laughs> <laughs> what is this, like the hauntings of fast food chains? Yeah. Well, yeah. Arby's was haunted before I started working there. So after I left KFC... Uh, I thought it was, I got tired of there and thought another fast food place would be better. It was not, it was worse. But, uh, before I had even said anything to my coworkers, they were telling me like, oh, this place is haunted. Like, you know, this is what's going on here and this is what's going on here. And 
I, did, I kind of believed them, but I didn't believe them. And so I was like, all right, we're going to do an investigation. I got my manager in on it. I brought a lot of my coworkers. And after we closed I down, sure. yeah, after we closed down, all the lights off, we did a full scale investigation and we actually caught what could be considered poltergeist activity in that Arby's. Whoa. Okay. Take us through it. Like pretend, take us through it. Like we're watching it. Okay. So set the scene. We have a camera sitting on top of one of our heaters, full scale view of the room. And we have a trail camera like duct taped and strapped onto a pole. No, no way this thing's coming off. And, you know, 10 seconds goes by, 15 seconds goes by, 20 seconds goes by. There's a strange movement in the corner of the room, and the duct-taped-on trail camera completely falls. Nobody around it. No way a breeze would have blown it over. And it completely falls. And as it's falling, it's taking a, a rapid fire to pictures. It took about seven pictures, and you can see the infrared flash on the other camera while it's falling. So something must have gone over there and interacted with that camera. Oh. And we caught that on video. Yeah. Um, Gosh. Okay. So is this all happening in Ohio? This Uh, is. Yes. We actually haven't done an investigation out of the state. It is a very old state. Mm -hmm. But uh, actually, uh, to go back for your question, uh, the classic turnaround look behind you, uh, actually reminded me of an investigation that I had done with my brother. Uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of the Mansfield Reformatory. Uh, that's where they filmed, um, what movie is that? With Morgan Freeman, where he escapes out of the prison. The Green Mile? No, no Shawshank no. Redemption. Um, Shawshank Redemption. Yeah, so I actually got the opportunity to do an investigation there. Uh, they do that, like, they have, like, overnight, and there was probably, like, 10 people in the whole prison that got to go out throughout the whole night. And um, the feeling in that prison, which it's it's classically known for being very haunted, and I would I would uh, uh, very much so agree with that. Uh, the entities really did not like that I was there. Uh, me and my brother were in this shower room, which was like three stories tall. This just giant open room, and we were the only ones in that whole wing of the uh, prison. And uh, we were in the shower room doing a recording, and we have it on recording, and I was taking pictures like one second after another for just like throughout the whole thing and so my brother asked the entity he goes hey so he's standing in uh in your shower what are you going to do about it and right when he said that a huge chunk of the ceiling which was like three stories up broke off and fell directly where i was standing and i had to like jump out of the way and it crashed on the floor and i was taking pictures the whole time you can see these this like shape of people in the dust and there's probably like like six of them just like and they're moving around and then there's these bands of light that we call tier two evidence which we can get into later but uh it literally threw a chunk of ceiling at me to get us out of there whoa so because of the dust from the ceiling um hitting the floor it the camera was able to catch movement of figures of people in in the shot absolutely yeah it looked like people in the shower, honestly. Yeah. They were moving around, too, like like shifting. And that was in the prison? Yep. That's exciting. That's one word yeah, to use. So, sometimes you can be in some danger when they don't want you there. <laughs> yeah. 
I would use a different word. <laughs> uh, I know you would because you would be just screaming. To me, it would be exciting. To you, it would be terrifying. God, terrifying, yes. My brother I was with, he was 10 years older than me. He was like freaking out like, holy crap, oh my God, what? And I mean, by this point, I've become pretty desensitized to it. So I was just like pretty calm taking the pictures like, this is this is pretty awesome that this just happened. And my brother, 10 years older than me, he's freaking out. Nah, that was that was pretty cool. <laughs> so did you show that stuff to your parents? Was that kind of one of the things where they're like, uh, something's going on? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I that would and, think so. Uh, we investigated this place called the Gore Orphanage as well that we got a lot of really interesting evidence at. Do you have like a website? Do you post this information or share it with anyone? Uh, no, we had intended to at some point, but just the nature of the, in, the investigating we were doing it, you know, we didn't post any of it. It was more for the, for the mere fact of investigation and then trying to help the people who were being affected by these spirits. So take us through like one of the situations where someone's come to you and said, Hey, we need help. What, what was, what one stands out the most to you that you think would be um, great to share? Man, there is a lot to choose Honestly, from. Probably Barefooted Brothers House. Barefooted Brothers House. Yeah. <laughs> so we have a friend that we refer to as our barefooted brother. He never wears shoes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there was a time, well, I guess to take a further step back to set the mood, have you guys ever seen that 70s show? They all used mm-hmm. to hang out in the basement. Yeah. Well, we had the garage. And our barefooted brother's garage was all decked out with couches. There was a table. It was the hangout spot. We were in the garage, actually. And we were actually getting ready to leave. And his sister comes running down the stairs. And she comes in there and says, something just happened to me. Like, guys, don't leave. Like, can I just sit in here with you? And we talked to her a little bit more. And then uh, later on, her dad actually came home. And he mentioned about the hauntings there. And they right then and there he's like i want you guys to check this out like something must be going on here and that led us down a a pretty large rabbit hole there's a spirit that referred to itself as tommy now we had all seen you know we'd all felt weird in that house and we occasionally you would hear like the sound of somebody's feet hitting the stairs like they're running up and they sound it sounded like a kid running around the house and um so with very basic equipment I think we just had a flash camera and a digital recorder. Myself, Red, and a friend of ours, uh, we'll call her Ved, we decided to investigate. And we started with a living room because that seemed to be a hot spot. And at, within minutes, we were getting activity. We were getting EVPs on the recorder, Im- orbs on the flash pictures, the most noti- notable thing was we were witnessing shadow people running around the house. And, you know, they had started running around us. There was a big, almost cyclone of energy moving around the room. And you could feel it. It was undeniable. And somehow, with the lights off in the house, it managed to get darker in there. And uh, myself and Red our friend Ved was sitting on the stairs and we were witnessing a child standing about an inch away from her face. And at that point she started freaking out. She said, guys, she couldn't see it, but we could see 
Tommy standing in front of her and she started freaking out. Like, I don't want to be over here. I'm done with this. I'm going in the garage. Like, don't make me do this again. And we had actually captured some pretty powerful uh, EVPs or electronic voice phenomenon on the digital recorders. But that, Ooh, that was a pretty share, please. You, you mentioned you mentioned that that was like, I guess, you know, early on and that it was. You, you talked about the equipment. I mean, I, I what kind of equipment do you use now? I mean, is it like Tobin's spirit guide and particle throwers and, you know. Uh, so it's an antimatter <laughs> reactor now. <laughs> so we you, we have your basic. Where do you get this stuff, Brian? How do you know that's, this? <laughs> that's from Ghostbusters. <laughs> we uh, oh we have your your standard like infrared cameras. We have a full spectrum camera which sees in every spectrum of light, equipped with uh, UV and an infrared light. We have two very high caliber digital recorders. Uh, what do we have? The SB7 spirit box, which allows real-time communication with spirits. Uh, Wait, hey, whoa, 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 time out. You're going to have to, you're going to have to go <laughs> deeper into the, uh, Oh yeah. This is some interesting stuff. Actually, this ties us perfectly into the woman in white from red's house. Mm-hmm. So the SB seven spirit box, what does it does is it creates white noise within uh, radio static and when you get it you actually remove the antenna so it doesn't actually pick up on any radio stations and it it scans through each frequency very quickly and what it allows is for us to ask a question and the spirit can then hone in on its energy and communicate verbally out of the spirit box to us in real time and the the stronger the uh, response is you can tell it's the same communication over several radio channels. And that was actually one of the strongest spirit box responses we ever got in all of our paranormal investigation was at Red's house where the woman in white was witnessed mm-hmm. all those years ago. That's why we will never investigate my house. He won't let us. <laughs> <laughs> so when you're, what kind of communication are you guys receiving then? Verbal communication, answering questions, saying things. Uh, the most notable actually was in Barefoot Brothers' house. Uh, it was quoting Bible verses to us uh, about like, pain and suffering and mm-hmm. a larger fear of god and it it was it was tommy we had cornered the spirit and you can actually hear specific voices so i am the gatekeeper voice. are you the key master sometimes <laughs> like that. Oh, but uh it was it's coming it was now. coming through as a, a child and then I, I don't remember the question we asked it but it triggered it and it started coming through as a very deep aggressive man's voice and that's when it started quoting the bible verses and it just wanted nothing to do with weird, us weird weird ooh, ooh 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 okay so so this triggered um a dream that i had and i and i know we've talked about it on the show once where i was dreaming that i was there was like a child that wanted to get into the car um, and I was driving, or I, I think I was driving and they wanted to get in the car, but something inside in this dream kept repeating itself over and the child just kept asking and I kept having this really bad feeling 
about the child and that sometimes entities will present themselves as children because they're less um, threatening, but really the entity is not a child at all. That actually was going to be my next explanation point about Tommy. That actually gave me chills hearing that. Uh, Yeah, children do not stay. They're their soul or whatever you want to consider a ghost it it does not stay here in that that sense it's always a darker entity disguising itself as that child and i believe your dream specifically was some sort of an entity trying to enter your vessel while you were sleeping and you know you willingly give up that power to them to do that so within the dreamscape of the mind, it was say, oh, I'm just a child who needs a ride. Can you let me in? And if you would have let that spirit in, I, who knows what it would have happened, you know? It's, it's ironic that the same thing happens in chat rooms. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That oh, too. Oh, yeah. It's the spirit world and the physical world. Oh, man. Oh, boy. You're just oh, on point today, Brian. <laughs> back, in the, oh, Lord. back in the dark web. <laughs> yeah, I, um, I'm glad I said no. I just, I did something, and then I just started to get angrier and angrier, and then I think it revealed itself to me, and I just knew. I was like, oh, my God. And, I think the dream just shut down or I shut down. I don't know. But that's actually really interesting because I didn't think of it as trying to enter my vessel. But now that I think about it, driving my car, my vessel is my car here on the planet, you know, for my conscious spirit. Uh, So that makes a lot of sense, actually. And, you know, they take advantage of that vulnerable innocence that a child has. So you would, you know, subconsciously you would feel, oh, well, it's just a kid. He needs a ride you know, I'll, I'll give it to them and they can, you know, use that, uh, that trust as a manipulation tool in a way. And, uh, that leads me back to the whole, Mm -hmm. don't look behind you thing, because if you're really dealing with a dark spirit, you looking behind you is like giving it that upper hand. It wants inside of your vessel ultimately. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious, we talked to, you talked about tier two evidence. Is that what you said? Tier two evidence? Yes. Well, okay. I want to know about that. But also first, before we get into that, the S7 spirit, did you say the SP7 spirit box or SB7? Where do you get, so these sell these things? Like, do you get it off Amazon? Like what? Probably the same website you get the Lemurian plug. Oh, stop (laughs) it. (laughs) I think we can get that on Amazon too. (laughs) oh gee that was a good one brian (laughs) no in actuality we did get this stuff off amazon gosh the so the sb7s is there an sb8 now like are they upgrading like what (laughs) you already want the best they've gone to 11 now actually whoa that's a good number okay so take us to the take us to the tier two evidence what is that all about um, so when we were when we would do investigations, we would have a certain pattern of different types of uh, evidence. This was mostly pertaining to flash photography. So when we would take a flash picture, we would have uh, three different types of uh, results if we had some kind of paranormal, um, uh, I guess, phenomenon happen. 
in the photos. So a tier one evidence would be like a classic orb photo. Uh, we would have a lot of different types of orbs and we can go into the dynamics of how you can tell it's an orb over dust or a bug or like moisture on the lens. Um, but uh, then tier two evidence was we would find these, these almost tubes they looked like like tubes of light that were like semi-transparent uh, or, or bands, like a, almost like an arc, like the shape of a rainbow kind of in different thicknesses. And those were one of the most bizarre ones because they, they were the least, we, we were not able to explain those ones the most. Like uh, they were very, you know, they, they didn't have much energy. We didn't know there was anything there. But when we took the picture, you would see it moving across. Like in the tunnels of hell, we have a really good one where there's three pictures of it in three different places within a second of each other. Um, and then a tier three evidence would be a full body apparition. We actually have captured only one picture of a full body apparition. And that was in the tunnels of hell. What did it look like? Um, in the tunnels of hell? Yeah, actually, it vaguely reminded me of the man made out of lava it was standing in a it was standing there in a similar position and it was watching us it accompanied what that spirit in the picture was an orb that's your like run-of-the-mill evidence but it was standing back behind the orb you could tell there's a sense of depth and it was a mildly translucent blue white colored spirit you could make out a head and shoulders and it trailed off into a body and if, there was two orbs that were accompanying it. So can can you share these these images yeah. with us so we can post them and yeah. put them in the YouTube uh, video and stuff like that? I can actually work on that right now if you'd like. Oh, no, yeah, no I, hurry. I'll, I'll edit some footage and some audio and stuff like that for you guys after the talk. That'd be cool. Okay. That'd be awesome. Yeah, we have caught a lot. We actually caught the tubes on video at a, a factory I worked at where they had some deaths due to equipment accidents and everybody was always creeped out by the back of the shop. And these, these tubes are, they kind of reminds you of like floating worms, the way they move. So are they horizontal or vertical? They're different directions. Wiggly, I guess is the best <laughs> way to put it. Okay. Hence worms. All right. So apparitions are tier three. Yeah, full yep. bo- like a uh, very distinguishable like shape of like a person, pretty much. Well, you had a few mists, which we also included in tier two with the bands. Um, some of them will have like a like like when I would take pictures, I would take uh, two or three of them with like back to back to back, and there would be you know like nothing in the first shot. In the second shot, there's like this cloud of mist with like four orbs in it. And then the third shot, there's nothing again. Uh, so yeah, tier three would be the full body apparition and, and find other we, ones. We had evidence as well that we couldn't classify. Actually a video I will send you guys in the tunnels of hell. There were these eyeballs. They were red glowing eyes. They appear, they grow by uh, bl- brighter and they blink away. It's the only time we've ever seen anything like that. And oh also gosh. at the Gore Orphanage, through flash pictures, um, two pictures taken in succession with each other. The second image has uh, children's faces in the, the leaves behind me. 
because the, the orphanage burned down and killed a lot of kids. Oh Nicole wants to go to these places with you. <laughs> Lee, I'm, I'm just like, I'm so glad Lisa is putting this YouTube video together because I would have nightmares putting this together. I just know it. <laughs> she does scare easily, but I think it would be I good do. for you to face your fears and go on a trip oh, with no. them. Oh, yeah. Okay. You know what? You know what? Maybe I will. Maybe I will. Maybe I'll cross the border, come down into Ohio, and uh, when I'm up in Canada, and we'll go ghost hunting or paranormal investigating. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You guys are always welcome to come. But only to the tunnels of we'll hell. Take you guys. Hey, if you're going to go yeah. to the tunnels of hell, be ready for spiders. And bring boots. And it's water. very wet. Oh, no, 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 no. I don't, I don't do spiders. <laughs> <laughs> she spiders would never make go. it. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I had you gotta do it a, at like three in the morning. Yeah, no, I just had to. I, I'm pretty good about not killing spiders and getting them out of my house, but I scream like a little girl as soon as I see one scattering across the floor or the wall. No, tunnels of hell cannot happen. <laughs> well, in the winter, maybe they'll die off a little bit. Actually, we had an entity follow us through the tunnels of hell, so maybe you don't want to go there. <laughs> Yeah, that was the KFC haunting. Uh, gosh. Okay, so fast food chains aside, have you guys had any entities um, try to attach themselves to you? Yes. Um, yeah, we absolutely have to the point where we burned a Ouija board and have had to sage everywhere for weeks and months. Mm-hmm. I gotta go into explaining that because that one was trying to get to me a little bit. Yeah, go ahead. Um, so, you know, we were teenagers and we had ourselves a Ouija board and we were like, yeah, let's play around with this. And at first I had a, a actually a family member that had passed away come across on it that, I mean, I had never met him. He died in the 80s. Uh, but it was just, it was really weird because the things that the Ouija board was saying were things that Thurgood wouldn't have even known. And I know I wasn't moving it. So it was very, like, very realistic. It almost, like, brought tears to my eyes. And um, then the next uh, entity, which actually, I still I still struggle with realizing what what exactly its plan was. But it tried to throw me down a path of Zen Buddhism that it almost foretold the future, Uh it started circling back and forth saying OX, 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 and then it said 13. And, um, or no, it said 10. And then it said 13. But um, the very next day in my great religions class in high school, they taught us about the 10 ox herder, um, uh, the 10 ox herd, whatever, from Buddhism, uh, from Zen Buddhism. And that like got me really interested in that. And then it slowly started to get really weirder because when we would use the board again, that same entity would be the only entity that would come across. And it started trying to convince me it was my mother and all this really weird stuff. And then it was how, really okay, weird. Wh- how did it try to convince you that it was your mother? Well, it kept saying, you know who I am. It's me, mom. It's mom. It's mom. Okay. And... And I was just kind of like, well, you're not my mom. My mom's alive. Um, <laughs> and it That was a minor detail that spirit totally fucked up on. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
plan was failed right there. Yeah. <laughs> not the brightest. As you said, they're not all that intelligent. Okay, good to know. <laughs> but it did give me its name. Which we will not say which we for will the not protection say. of you guys and your listeners. Thank you. Yeah. Perfect. We appreciate it. Uh, but that did allow us, if you can get the name of a negative entity, that means that you kind of, it, it gives you an authority over it. It also mm-hmm. summons the spirit. Yeah. So that's why you have to be Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm kind of yeah. like that. <laughs> um, and eventually it led us down to a path where we had to burn the Ouija board because uh, it it started like coming to me in weird places, like not even using the board. Um I could just tell by the like the way that it said things. I would like, you know, I would just be writing, and then I would like kind of realize I was writing in that kind of vernacular, and it just would be things that were really bizarre and didn't really make sense. And I'm like, well, maybe, maybe this is not a such a good thing. I would get that really subtle feeling of uneasiness, and then at night I would wake up in the middle of the night, and there'd be a dark entity standing over me. Um, I. And that stuff, it's gotten pretty normal for me. So, like, it doesn't really freak me out as much anymore. I just kind of look at it. I'm like, go away. I just want to sleep. And, like, sometimes it would leave. Sometimes I would be up for, you know, two days straight. But um, once we burned it and we did a lot of the sage healing and uh, a few different prayers and uh, some stuff with the spirit guides, things seemed to got a lot better. Until we met the witch. But. Mm. Yeah. The witch. Well, they just, there's just a plethora of stuff here. Oh, you Who's have no witch? idea. So, uh, we were going for a random drive because a friend of ours, her and her friend, they go on uh, blunt cruises, they call them, or they just go and get lost. Well, we don't do drugs so we just went on a random aimless wait, drive wait 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 <laughs> <laughs> i knew i knew that was gonna oh, come up come on now you can totally be you guys on this oh. show don't you worry well this is after we both got sober oh okay so okay. Like, we don't do drugs anymore uh, yeah, this was actually a recent exposure so we did our own version of a blunt cruise where we asked a spirit to guide us to a haunted location and it definitely delivered. Yeah. We, uh, I don't even know where we were. I thought we were going west. Somehow we wound up south. Like Olivesville. Very, place. very far. But um, we were being guided, like, turn right here. Turn left here. Continue straight. And in the darkness, we were driving, and we just got the signal that we should stop. And when we did, we looked to our left, and there was probably the creepiest cemetery i've ever seen in my entire life out in the middle of cornfields there was one house in the distance and so nat- is this where you tell us you get out of the car yes yep. naturally we got yeah, out nicole of the car. does not get out of the car yeah nicole does not get out of the car. <laughs> i actually did not want to get out i got a very I, strong I vibe don't but red was already doing it so i got out <laughs> <laughs> but we in we uh mentally we only took a few steps out of the car and almost in a trance like state, we just kind of like snapped out of something. And what I thought was five minutes was actually about 45 minutes. And we were probably about half a football field away from our car unknowingly. 
Whoa. And actually what took me out of the trance was I had looked down and all of a sudden I heard a voice yell in my head, you're standing on my family. Get off of my family. You're standing on my family. And it was a young girl's grave that I was standing over. And I like, like shook out of it. And we were, it was like 20 minutes had passed. We were really far from the car. And after that, we obviously left because that was not a very welcomed thing to be taken like that. But uh, I was getting images through my third eye while I was driving of women, like a bunch of naked women dancing around a fire in the woods and they had sacrificed somebody and they were burning her body. And that is like very archaic witchcraft that they were doing and they were trying to summon some kind of a spirit. And we we didn't talk after we left. And about probably five miles down the road, we both kind of just blurted out like, I don't feel okay. I think something's following us. I think we both agree we think it's a witch. And at the same time, he was having those visions. I was having uh, visions of uh, a plague doctor, you know, with like the bird mask. Right. Uh, and they... A plague doctor. You know, the Italian long, long beak. Mm-hmm. It looks like a long crooked nose. Uh, so the, the plague doctor took the mask off and it was this older woman uh, with like very wrinkly skin and i just got the vibe of this like rotting it like made me really really nauseous and it just it was that same like you're on my family these are my graves i own them and like it was like this really like dark thing all at the same time he was having those same visions uh well the visions of the sacrifice and the naked women dancing on the fire which Sounds like a better vision than yours. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like mine made me want to throw up. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, and we eventually, wow. after discussing it, came to the conclusion that it was a witch that was some, some type of either ge- covered some type of geographical area, like the woods nearby or something like that. Uh, which- like a, like a, a, the spirit of a of a past witch or a, a like a current practicing witch i believe it was a spirit summoned through witchcraft and it was summoned somewhere in that geographical location and it, it, it spanned like that region because the further we got away from that place the better we felt we, we kind of felt like our energy was being sapped away from us like you mm. uh, you could have this you had this great sense of a predator Actually, when we had stopped there, I didn't want to get out because I thought there were coyotes. We have a lot of coyotes in Ohio. And I'm like, there's predators here, dude. Like, there's coyotes. We can't get out. So I think that was my my instincts. Like, there's a predator here that's going to take your energy. And for me, that bird mask kind of symbolized, not only did it symbolize, like, you know, a, a plague doctor, but it was the bird, like, as a bird of prey kind of ordeal. Like, it was... It was above us. It, it was a lot of symbolism that I could just kind of sense mm. in there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I can definitely see that. But long, wow. long story short, the when we escaped from the the witch's geographic location, never felt it ever again. Never bothered us. It was just one of those things where we just went on a random drive and got almost haunted by a witch. <laughs> I'm wondering if anyone in our audience lives in Ohio and has had some of these uh, experiences themselves, if you guys want to write into us and share them with us, uh, we'd just be curious to know because um, 
Ohio. Very interesting. There's a lot of activity going on over there, at least wherever you guys seem to show up. Yeah. yeah. I think you guys are an antenna for it. Yeah. Well, actually, that, that kind of reminded me of something I was thinking about bringing up was the difference between when we go to investigate entities or uh, uh, hauntings and when spirits come to us. Like whether and when we go to a place, it's a totally different breed of uh, spirit than the ones that come to us. Like we're just walking around and one just appears. Um, so like that antenna thing is it's I don't know I I know it's it's definitely like a sixth sense kind of experience. Mm. And w- what I found is the more communication you do with the other side, not with equipment, with um, it's. It's very intuitional speaking. It's, it's. Uh, if you remember, I was talking about Ikea in my last talk, which could be equated to like light language. It's e- mental Ikea with the spirit, and the more you do that, the clearer you get in that in the other side, the spirit side. Like the clearer your face becomes, they realize this person. We can talk to them, and they'll know that we're actually talking to them. So that's that's also could be a reason why spirits are so adept to come to us and why we get the evidence we get. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes a but, lot of sense. Uh, yeah, we we were discussing before this the different that difference between going to investigate and having spirits come to us, because uh, a theory I had about the whole kind of like mediumship thing seeing spirits is it's like the broken people people who are not so caught up in having that like perfect human image like obtaining perfection like people who have like depression and things like that their main focus could be like not having trying to get out get over the effects of depression or simply that they're very more involved with themselves so it, it allows for, you could say, manifestation. Your emotions and things like that can create these spirits around you. And with enough of feeling a particular type of emotion for too long and not knowing how to deal with it, it can create a physical entity which can be observable through equipment or it can create a subconscious entity that can affect you and the energy of the people around you. Mm-hmm. That makes a total sense to me. That's actually what a poltergeist is. Oh, really? Yeah, that's what a poltergeist is. It's uh, they can. It's considered a psychic practicing telekinesis subconsciously. Oh. Things moving around them. They get scared and say, "Oh, this is a ghost. It's a poltergeist." When in actuality, it's them. Well, I thought what was really cool about um, you guys talking about this idea of the depression. Um, and negative entities or entities using your lower frequency. I've talked a lot about this in many of my videos. I think we've even talked about this on the podcast, that your level of consciousness has frequencies attached to it. And of course, depression is very much in um, like that frequency of apathy. And it's quite low. Apathy, I believe, is about 50 on the scale. And it's that's half of what fear is. Fear is a hundred. So when you're in these lower frequencies for long periods of time, uh, I can see how 
other energies that are resonating in that lower frequency uh, can manipulate you or attach themselves to you or interact with you more because you literally become a food source at that point because your energy is low and that's the kind of energy they want to feed off of. That is actually uh, an idea I've actually thrown around quite a bit. That's If you've ever seen the movie Insidious where the guy, he like astral projects in the spirit world and the spirits, if you start acting weird, they kind of like realize you're alive and they're going to try to get in your body. That's one thing they did right in that movie. That is a real thing in the world of paranormal investigation and dealing with like depressed people or people with drug issues or things like that. Uh, When your vibration is that low, the spirits whose vibration is also there, they notice you but they don't notice you as the person with the vessel. They just notice you. And then when they realize you're not interacting back with them, maybe you're ignoring them or maybe they're like scaring the crap out of you. They realize this is a person who has a vessel. Their vibration is so low. I can take this vessel from them. And then that's when you get into that whole issue of like, you got to get back to your body before they take it. And that's a big thing with depression too, is people with depression a lot of times say they feel possessed or they feel like they're not themselves. They feel so detached Mm -hmm. from their body because they literally could possibly be becoming possessed or they could have a very, very powerful attachment trying to take that vessel. I think that happened to my mother. Do you? Yeah, I can recall a couple times when I was little that she used to do some really weird things. And then my sister told me once about a time that she was just acting very, very strangely, like acting like she was possessed. She would just, yeah, she did some weird things. And she was always very depressed. Well, I mean, we we talked about drugs and drinking are gateways for entities to enter the body, right? Because your consciousness isn't so tapped in because of the effects that the drugs and alcohol can have on you. Mm -hmm. This is kind of like a gateway or a doorway that they use to, um, to get in. You know, I talk about that in my video, um, um, alcohol and negative entities, a cocktail you never want to mix. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it's like, it's, 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 it's an avenue. That, that actually brings up uh, one of the uh, main points that I wanted to make today was uh, realizing that you are your own sovereign uh, you know, entity and that no being can have domain over you. Uh, that's something that when in, under intoxicated effects or in, uh, depressed or like stages of grieving even, um, you might not be aware of that, you know, you're more vulnerable to giving up your sovereignty to a, a being without even realizing it. And they, you know, can progress you down a path of uh, lower vibrations where they, you know, they kind of guide you into uh, making poor choices and uh, things to kind of harvest that negative energy that's coming out. And uh, so that remembering who you are is kind of realizing that nothing, absolutely nothing can have domain or establish that that uh, uh, the power that you inhabit with uh, just your soul. Nothing can take over that. That's just remembering mm-hmm. who you are. And mm-hmm. two, um, with looking at spirits as opposed to we'll call we'll call ourselves the vessel 
holders. We're the vessel keepers. Um, the spirits, they're that. They, well, with, within the person and the vessel, you have your soul that communicates with the higher dimensional spirit, which is intuition, communication between the soul and the spirit at a fifth dimensional level. And this, when you deal with negative entities, they don't have that communication. They don't have that domain. They're a mind that can kind of materialize themselves a little bit. There's no communication with the higher self. It's that right there in that particular moment. That's all they are. And in essence, that's all we are. But at the same time, we have, we're materialized. We have that higher connection and communication. That's what gives you that higher domain over the lower vibrational spirits. Mm -hmm. I think it's really important that people understand that they're sovereign, um, sovereign beings and that they always have control over their body. They just have to declare it. And that's all it takes to get a bad spirit off of you to just basically tell it to leave. Uh, a piece of advice that somebody had given me once when I really needed it was they said, oh, if you ever have it, like you hear this ringing in your ears and you feel that there's an, uh, maybe a negative being by, all you do is you just say, uh, this is an area for uh, beings of love and light. If you are not of love and light, you must leave now and they will leave if they are negative. And if they're there, then they're of love and light. They're positive. And part of that is at least, you know, having your sovereignty and having a voice, knowing that, you know, they're not all powerful, all knowing, they just take advantage of your weakness or, or you know, your mm -hmm. spiritual illness at that time, if you're uh, depressed or whatever it may be. I think that's just a, a really yeah. great point. You, you may, might, me jump out of my chair when you first said that just with light language just confirmation like absolutely you know we are divine sovereign beings and i think there's so much like there's so many programs running in us not to, not just ne necessarily negative entities or attachments or things like that but just these beliefs that you know we are depressed or you know that we're like our mother or whatever it may be things that we don't even realize and that we all are God and we all have this ability to be this God spark and to be these superhuman superheroes, you know, amazing deliberate creators of our life. And that all we have to do really is to declare it and to know it. And I just think that that's just really, really powerful. Yeah. One of the things that was taught to me from a friend was he told me just um, to say out loud, I declare to the universe, I am a sovereign divine being. I am, I am, I am. And to repeat it like three times. Um, and I think, you know, when you put conviction behind it and you truly believe it and you put some power of your own energy behind those words, it, it has a very powerful effect. So I really want to thank you guys for coming on the show. It, this was very entertaining as well as educating. I didn't realize Brian was so versed in paranormal investigation terms. <laughs> um, guys, you want to tell our audience uh, just where they can find you, if they want to check you out or if they want to get in touch with you. Maybe, maybe they have their own paranormal questions or they need some help or guidance. Yeah, who are they going to call? How can they get in touch with you? <laughs> well, they're going to email us. <laughs> but, uh, we're available on Instagram, SoundCloud, 
Google Play, and Stitcher right now. We are going to be getting hooked up with Anchor, and we're going to give YouTube a run again, but they probably are just going to demonetize all of our videos. But we have our emails available on there. It's the uh, morningmelon13 at gmail.com, and you can send us inquiries about spirituality or spirit problems. Great. Wow. You guys are awesome. Thanks so much for coming on the show today and sharing all of your experiences and like (laughs) very, very interesting experience as well as I got to learn stuff about all of the apparatus you guys use. She's going to go shopping. I'm going to Amazon. I'm getting myself an SB11 spirit box. (laughs) I I seriously (laughs) urge you guys to consider the email morningmillon666 at no. gmail.com. <laughs> that one's specifically for ghost hunting. <laughs> <Yeah>. oh. <laughs> well, thanks so much, guys, for being on the show. And thank you to our audience for joining us once again this week. We love you all. We'll be back with you next time. Bye.